0: but they do sometimes, right? They, 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 they imitate and then they, they, they walk. They, they do, they try to do. And then if they don't get far, they obey. They, they, they listen, they, they watch and they listen. That's how, that's how we learn. And that's been the roadmap for spiritual growth in chapter five. That's how we grow spiritually. We first imitate, we walk, and then we obey. But see, the, the problem that many of us have, including myself, is that we, we like to, to see, we like to try, but don't tell me how to live my life. Am I speaking to anybody this morning? You know, I, I, I will watch and I will try, but that's, that's it not going to listen. I'm not going to obey. And so Paul is, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, has given us the roadmap to spiritual growth. See, many, many of us, or we know people, or we've been in this situation or in this season where we're not growing. We're not growing spiritually. Because sometimes it's because we've, we've only allowed ourselves to go so far and we've stopped people from speaking into our lives and and doing the things that we're supposed to be doing. See, this morning we'll be looking in depth in the meaning of spiritual submission. In Ephesians 5.21, that's where we left off. Last week we talked about psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. You guys remember that last week? Amen. So now we are in verse 21. It says here, Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submitting to one another. Now, the translation, the message says, out of respect for Christ, be courteous, courteously reverent to one another. The International Children's Bible, which I love. Because I, 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 that's, that's how I understand. Says, be willing to obey each other. Do this because you respect Christ. Paul is writing to the church of Ephesus to imitate God, walk in love, examine your daily conduct, build up one another. Then Paul concludes with the command to submit to one another. In today's world, submit carries a negative perception, which some might translate as dominance or relationship abuse. In reading chapter 5, that is not the picture being painted. It's not the right to rule or to dominate. We must remember as followers of Christ... Well, forgive me, we must remember that the followers of Christ in this time did not have the New Testament in hand. They didn't have the New Testament. All they had was the the letters of Paul and and the apostles, Peters, that were being uh, circulated in that time. They didn't have uh, smartphones. You know, they didn't have all the things that we have, Right? So, so for them, they, they, they relied on, on the direction of the Holy Spirit. They relied on men and women of God speaking into other, in, in, in their lives, right? So if you can't be a Christian in today's world, right, they, they, all they had was the, the apostles. I mean, they were in their houses waiting for the letter to get to their house so they can read it and grow, Today, what do we have? We have every translation in our phone. If we can't grow spiritually in today's world, something's wrong, right? We we have access to to every encyclopedia and and every commentary and every translation of the Bible. And we should be the most, we we should all be theologians, right? I mean, we have have it all. They, They didn't have that. So... Submitting to one another, right? The Holy Spirit used brothers and sisters to speak into their lives. And, and it, wasn't a, it wasn't an attitude of, who are you to tell me, right? It was a, out of respect for Christ, what do you have to speak into my life? So the word submit might come across as antiquated, Right? For us today, the essence of the verse means that we should follow the example set by our fellow brothers and sisters and listen to the sound instruction that they give us. That is what the scriptures tell us this morning. It's not saying submit and do whatever they tell you to do. That's not the the heart of the message this morning. The heart of the message is when. Your pastor, when your spiritual leader, when those that are in the faith speak into your lives, listen and obey. Now, the act of submitting to one another is a spirit led action and not from a heart of arrogance. In turn, the instruction given to believers is also spirit-led and not from an egocentric heart. For some may try to exercise their spiritual authority by saying things like, hey, brother, you know that cologne that you were wearing? It's, it's not of God. It's not good. Don't wear it anymore. You know, sister, the jewelry that you wore last Sunday was too flashy. You know, I don't think God was pleased with that. Or... or God told me to tell you, right? You got to be careful with those things. And and, and in church, we need to be careful with that because the issue with all these statements is that they come from a self-formed opinion. They come from points of view. And sometimes they come from people who are more critical about others than their own lives. We must be careful to never use God as a platform for criticism or manipulation. Let's look at Galatians 2, 4, and 6. Galatians 2, 4, and 6. It says this. It says, yet because of false brothers secretly brought in, who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Jesus Christ so that they might bring us into slavery. To them, we did not yield in submission, even for a moment, so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. And from those who seemed to be influential, that that they were... That they were makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality. Those, I say, who seemed influential added nothing to me. See, it says here that false brothers came in to spy and through deceit bring other believers into slavery. Go, Paul goes on to say, we did not yield into the submission even for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. In other words, he was saying people came into the church trying to impose these, these thoughts that oppress the people, these ideas that enslaved the people. And, you know, it, it saddens my heart because I know and I've heard of stories where there's churches that manipulate the people. They, they use the word of God to control. And that is not what the Bible is teaching us this morning. It's telling us to submit one to another. It's mutual. And it's, it's, many times it's not by words. It's not by, you got to submit. That, that kind of talk is not... Um, Spirit-led. Spirit-led is seeing a brother or sister who is on fire for the Lord, who has a passion and desire. And when you look at them, you say, I want to submit to the God they submit to. I want that in my life, submitting one to another. In contrast God has ordained spiritual leaders in the church to help those that are new in the faith to grow. Hebrews 13:17 says it best. Obey your leaders and submit to them for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning for that would be of no advantage to you. I like the way the message translation says it. It says, be responsive to your pastoral leaders. Listen to their counsel. They are alert to the condition of your lives and work under the strict supervision of God. Contribute to the joy of their leadership, not its drudgery, why would you want to make things harder for them? In the body of Christ, true submission isn't forced. It's an act of obedience. And most of the time, it's without words. If you ever need to tell someone they need to submit, it's probably because they're not imitating Christ. It's probably because they're not walking in the spirit. In other words... If someone has a hard time submitting to God's rule, it's probably because they're missing the first two things. They're probably not walking in the spirit. They're probably not imitating Christ. In other words, there's bigger fish to fry, right? There's a saying like that. (laughs) Submitting to one another in today's language is like saying... I will follow his or her example because I see Christ in their lives. And that makes me want to listen to the instruction they give. Again, referring to the things of the spirit or godly counseling when invited. Why do I say that? For us to grow, there must be a mutual understanding. Right? Giving your opinion when it's not wanted. Right? I mean, that's just stuff that we, that we learn in the world. But it applies to the church. You know, if you see something that someone is doing and you're not happy with it, pray for them. Pray for them and 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 let the Holy Spirit deal with their lives. Sometimes we try to we try to play Holy Spirit and, and, and we try to impose. But godly counsel and, and 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 direction is given when invited. And that's important to know because you know. We make the mistake. We've made the mistake of, of, of speaking when we should have been praying and letting the Holy Spirit do the work. Now, I remember, I'm going to tell you a story. It's kind of messed up, but I'm to, it, it came to my mind, so I was like, I'm going to share it. I remember when I was a kid about, I don't know, it must have been like 9 or 10 years old. Me and my friend, man, we'd, we'd just always go into the neighborhood Sometimes doing wrong, sometimes just having fun. But I remember he's like, hey, man, I know this little swamp over here by Hollister, and there's all kinds of cool stuff over there. Let's go check it out. It's like, all right, let's go. So we're, out, we're over there, and um, we saw that there was a lot of frogs. I love frogs as a kid. My life was frogs. I remember in third grade, my teacher uh, wanted me to do a presentation on frogs, and I froze in front of the whole class. But anyways, I love frogs. I even had the little you know that um, what is it yeah, the Hello Kitty has all these characters, and they had this green frog I had the green frog pencil loved it, never sharpened it, never used it. but anyways, so I, I was like fascinated, so uh, I, I caught little frogs, and I wanted to take them home. During the time, I remember, you know, Ninja Turtles was very popular, you know, and I was all into I had all the characters and everything, and I was like, man, I love these frogs. I'm going to take them home. So I took them home. And, uh, you know, I was like, man, I'm going to be good to these frogs. They're going to be my pets. They're going to grow into big bullfrogs. I don't know. I don't know. But anyways, I, I wanted to uh, have these as pets. So, you know, in every Hispanic home, you're going to find these uh, containers of margin, right, that are empty, and you're going to find, uh, you know, those Danish cookie tins, right, that are, have all the needles and, and sewing kits. And so anyways, so I went into my mom's drawer, and I, and, I, and I took out a container that I thought was good, and I emptied it out. My mom was all mad at me the next day because I threw all her sewing stuff everywhere. But anyways, I, I put some dirt in there, and, uh, you know, to kind of create the environment for the frogs. And uh, the last thing I did was, you know, these frogs, they need water, right? They need to swim. I want to be good to them. So I, I was thinking, um, you know, back then we lived in a, in a trailer and, um, you know, water was, uh, you know, the goods, you know, the, the gallon. And you know, my mom would be upset if I used that water. So I was like, All right, I can get tap water, but it's kind of a distance. But then in our, in our lawn, we had this gallon of water right there. I was like, what is that gallon of water doing there? Oh, I'm going to use it. So I poured the water there, and I put all the frogs in there. The next morning, they were all, all dead. And I was, my mom never told me anything. She was like, I don't know what happened, Miko. You know, maybe this, maybe they just needed to be with their mom or something. And I was like, oh, man. So she didn't tell me till years and years later. That gallon of water was, I guess, for the dogs not to, urinate or whatever, and so I had vinegar in there. And she, she didn't want to tell me, so she told me, you know, a long time ago, I mean, years later. But the point I want to make is that, you know, we only thrive and grow when we're in the environment we're supposed to be in. When we're taken out of that environment, when we're taken from where God wants us to be and we're put in our own way, in our own way of thinking, our own living, we won't thrive. Matter of fact, we will die. Because in order for us to experience true freedom, we must yield, we must submit to what the Lord has designed for our lives. Right? So submission is is more than just saying, okay, I will listen. Listen. There's a bigger truth in that. And that bigger truth is that when you submit to the Lord, you will grow, you will thrive, you will experience true freedom in your life because that is how God designed your life to be. Now, Jesus, before he went to the cross, he went to go pray. On the Mount of Olives. It says in Luke 22, 41 through 43. And he, being Jesus, withdrew from them, who? The disciples. About a stone's throw. Now you figure I don't have the best arm, so if I try to throw a rock, probably from the back of the church over there. That's where Jesus was. And he went to go pray. And it says that he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared an angel from heaven, strengthening him. We, we see that Jesus is coming before the Father in prayer, showing the submissiveness to the will of God, which was to lay his life down as a sacrifice for our sins. See, Christ led by example, and we see that, and we're compelled to submit to God's will because of the example that Jesus first set. In turn, we should be able to submit to one another without having to speak a word as Christ did. Rather, seeing the obedience of people's lives and surrendering to the Lord I see that person living his life for Jesus and going all out. I'm going to do it too. Now, let us continue on. In verse 22 to 24 in in Ephesians, and I'm going to actually jump translation. So I'm going to read from the message because I really like the way it breaks it down. It says, wives, understand and support your husband's in the ways that shows your support for Christ. The husband provides leadership to the wife the way Christ does to his church, not by domineering but by cherishing. So just as the church submits to Christ and exercises such leadership, wives should likewise submit to their husbands. Here we see the need for spiritual support in the home. God has appointed the man to lead his family as Christ led the church. As a man is obedient to the Lord, he makes steps to bringing his family closer to the Lord. The wife should support and encourage this type of authority. This morning, I want to tell you that in, in the relationship as God has designed it, He has made somebody accountable. See, Jesus was accountable for us. He was accountable. God held his own son accountable for the sins of the world. And he went to the cross and he died on the cross and resurrected because he was accountable. If something goes down at work and the department's not doing great, do they look at the employees? No, they look at the leader. They look at the person who is in charge and that's who's accountable. It's in our world, it's in the spirit and it's in the world that somebody must be accountable. When Adam and Eve were in the garden, even though Eve was the first one to to be deceived by the devil, it was Adam who was held accountable. See, it's... You know, someone may read this scripture and be like, well, see, the man has the authority in the home. No, the man has the accountability. He's accountable. The wife uh, submits to her husband and the husband submits to the wife because that's what we first read. But on top of that, the husband is accountable to lead his family. See, if Jesus was accountable for the sins of the world, do we think that we're not going to be accountable? If our our master who is leading the charge is going in battle and, and taking all the hits, do we think that we're not going to be doing the same? Do we think that we're in a greater position than Christ? No, absolutely not. If Jesus took up his cross and submitted to the Father, shouldn't we? Husbands, go all out, verse 25 to 28. Husbands, go all out in your love for your wives, exactly as Christ did for the church, a love marked by giving, not getting. Christ's love makes the whole church. His words invoke her beauty. Everything he does and says is designed to bring the best out of her, dressing her in dazzling white silk, radiant with holiness. And that is how a husband ought to love their wives. They're really doing it for themselves. They're doing themselves a favor since they are already one in marriage. Based on what we read, we are all to submit to one another, man to woman, woman to man. But the man is given the command here, not only to submit, but to cherish, love, and to give. What makes a great man? Is it his passion for the things of God? Not exactly. His status at work? No. His friends who praise him and say what a great guy he is? No. It's his love for his wife. His self-sacrificing commitment to her. I want to end this morning in Matthew 16, 24 through 26. It says that Jesus was talking to his disciples. He said, if anyone would come after him, me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever, whoever would save his life would lose it but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what is the profit of man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul, or what shall a man give in return for his soul? If you are going to submit to anything this morning, submit to the cross. Make a commitment today to live your life for the King of Kings. Submit to God's will this morning. Not because you have to, because that isn't true submission. Not because you're being forced to. Submit your life to God this morning because he died for you. Because he's told us right here in the word to carry your cross. And he didn't say carry your cross and and, and walk away and said, okay, my job is done. You know, imagine that. Imagine if Jesus just came to earth and said, okay, this is what you have to do to be saved. Carry your cross and my job is done here. I'm just going to poof and be gone. No, Jesus said, carry your cross and watch me as I do it. Watch me as I carry my own cross and die for your sins. I'm not just telling you, I'm going to show you how it's done. This morning, as we reflect on Ephesians and we come to a close, I have a, a word of encouragement for you, the church, and that's that we imitate, that we walk, and that we obey because it's for your own good. Let us, uh, let us prepare for communion this morning as we um, just reflect on what we read and what the Spirit has said to us this morning. Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege that we have this morning to come before your presence, to partake, Lord, of your communion. Thank you, Lord, that you have given us your word. You've shown us Lord by going to the cross what it means to deny ourselves. What it means Lord to submit to God's authority. Lord we just thank you this morning. Let's just Have a moment, amen. Have a moment right now to just for you to come before the Lord, and I want you to pray as we prepare our hearts for communion.